Oh, I gotta hurry too. Uh, no, He's been... stalling on purpose. Never... This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Today, what we saw was what we've been all, all, all year, all fall camp. This is the Keaton Slovis yes. that the fan base expected. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. So, fun fact, while I was interviewing Johnny Miller at Riverside Country Club, you were going one-on-one with Trevor Maddich of ESPN. This is the power of BYU Sports Nation. Yes, you were hanging out at the BYU Men's Golf uh, tournament this morning. Uh, they have Cougar Day, big fundraiser yeah, for the program. Yeah, how you, many how many like pro golfers were there this morning? Oh, uh, let's see: Keith Clearwater, Mike Reed, Zach Blair, Johnny Miller. Like, I mean, just legend, legends of the BYU golf. And we'll have the interview with Johnny Miller later in this week. But yeah, I'm excited. The point is, BYU Sports Nation is pretty cool. We connect with a lot it's of super, people. It's super neato. Yeah, that's what like, we, we think. Connect, we, yeah. we are so grateful to connect with a lot of great people, and we're grateful to have Trevor Maddich on the show yeah, again today. How great is it to talk to the former national champion, NFL vet of 12 years, uh, ESPN college football analyst Trevor Maddich. Awesome. He was pretty fired up last week against the offensive line. Was he as fired up about it this week? The run game certainly didn't deliver. There was some good from Keaton Slovis, an explosion down the field and whatnot. Here's my conversation from this morning with T. Maddich. Hey, Trevor, a lot of improvement from BYU against Southern Utah. Certainly some things to work on, notably the run game and whatnot. So uh, what stuck out to you about the Week 2 performance from the Cougars? I hope they were looking ahead to Arkansas because <laughs> it, it started out so slowly. Now, they, they picked it up. They got the win. The passing game returned. All that was good, especially they got the win. They were better than Week 1. But goodness gracious, it, uh, it wasn't like I expected it to be after that performance against Sam Houston. What wasn't good enough in your mind? Well, they didn't run the ball well, did they? They didn't break 50 yards against an FCS school on the ground, even though it was an emphasis. And that, that worries me. Because it's one thing to come out slow in the opener. It's another thing to come out slow against an FCS team after the wake-up call of the opener. It seems like that has not been fixed yet. And that needs to get fixed, or this will be a very long season. You were fired up last week about the offensive line. Do you feel the same way, given the uh, ineptitude uh, in the run game? Yes, worse actually. Uh, it's it's just watching them play. It's um, I think disappointing. I think they have the talent to be a lot better. It's one thing if you're just not good enough, or if the guy you're facing is just better than you. I've been in that situation plenty of times. But if if you're not playing up to your potential, no matter who's in front of you, then I uh, I struggle with respecting that. And it appears that that's been happening. I know there's been some injury situations with a couple of guys that they've been playing through some things. I, I get that part. But there are things about the, this offensive line, the, the, the intensity, the drive, the, the what appears to be willingness to go out there, eagerness to go out there and smash people. It doesn't show up on tape. So if it's there, that's nice, but let's try to get it onto the field. Certainly they 
can work on that in practice and then apply it in the game. So what are you hoping happens in practice? And how did you and, and your teams get better in practice when you played at BYU and in the NFL? Jeremy, that's a great question because you can usually tell how a team practices by watching them in the game. For example, if a defense doesn't swarm to the ball in practice, they won't swarm to the ball in a game. It's a habit. And from a standpoint of offensive line, it doesn't look to me like they practice with a whole lot of intensity. Maybe they do, and it's just not getting into the game yet, but it doesn't look like they do. For example, this is just one example. When you go to throw a block and a, a pass is completed or a runner turns the corner and starts heading down the field, in practice as an offensive lineman, as your defender leaves you, you need to sprint a couple of steps, just a couple of steps, with intent. That means you sprint towards the ball carrier. You look to make sure the ball hasn't been fumbled. It's not on the ground, so you can go jump on it. And then you look while you're sprinting those couple of steps for defenders that you can block downfield in case your ball carrier breaks a tackle. Now, you can only do it in practice for a couple of steps per play because an offensive lineman, you don't want to be running all these big, long sprints all day long. You'll wear yourself out. But I don't see that in the game. What I see is guys will lose their defender because he'll go pursue, and guys will just stop and watch the play. It, it just And that, to me, speaks to practice habits. I don't know that. I want to be fair. I haven't been there. But if what they're doing in practice is not showing up in the game, then they better get that happening. And if they're not doing it in practice anyway, then they better darn well start. You know, you, you asked how we used to do it. You know, and I don't usually talk about back in the day, this is what we did. But practices were almost always harder than games. Our coaches, Roger French, Mel Olson, were two of the best offensive line coaches at any level. And I played 12 years in the NFL. And they, they made sure that no stone was left unturned from a standpoint of assignment, technique, and intensity in practice. So we got into the game. It was like, hey, this is fun. Plus, we had really good defensive players. Brad Smith was our nose guard, and I had to fight like crazy in practice just so that he wouldn't embarrass me because he was an outstanding football player. And so there was great intensity in practice. You never took a single rep of a single drill off. You were going hard. And when you need to rest, the coaches made sure you had the rest. And that showed up in the game. It's one of the reasons why we, we won the national championship. And so I want to see evidence that the offensive line is practicing that way. Get into the game. I need to see that. Because if, if they don't do that, then the other guys on that offense are going to be playing behind a line that's not giving them a fair opportunity. Aiden Robbins uh, has 10 carries for 29 yards through two games. Uh, he didn't have a carry after the first quarter on Saturday. Certainly weird given that this guy had a lot of hype coming in. He seems to be a real talent at a 1,000-yard year at UNLV with what you think would be an inferior offensive line to BYU's this year. What do you make of what Aiden Robbins has done so far through two games? Uh, that's been disappointing as well. And, and why that's happening is hard to say because it doesn't look like he's getting the holes in the first half when he's played that – other guys have gotten in the second half. L.J. Martin uh, has gotten in the second half, and that's to take nothing away from L.J. But to say that I expect Aiden Robbins to be much more effective than he's been. But it's a package deal. The, the line needs to open holes. He needs to hit those holes hard. And if there isn't a hole, he needs to make one. And he needs to take a, what is a one-yard gain in terms of how the blocking turns out. He needs to turn it into a two- or three-yard gain because he's driving forward. You saw that from Tyler Algier all the time. You know, Coach Sataki talked a lot about intensity after the game. 
and I think uh, a, a ratchet up in intensity from both the runners and the blockers would help this team. Keaton Slovis was certainly impressive, 22 of 32 for 348, four touchdowns passing, one rushing. He has three rushing after zero rushing prior to this year. What do you make of Keaton Slovis's performance? See, that was the improvement from week one to week two that we want to see, isn't it? And so, yeah, I mean, he had a, a, a slow week one. Okay, I get it. It's the first time in game action with a, with a new team and a new offense and new receivers to throw to. And in week two, what did Keaton do? He got a lot better. He elevated the people around him. Now, it helped to have Keanu Hill back. Welcome, Keanu. Not just back to the offense, but back to the end zone. That was wonderful to see. But you saw Keaton Slovis set the example as a leader for what everybody on this team, and especially everybody on this offense, needs to do. Get better week to week to week to week. He was accurate. He knew where he wanted to go with the ball. He had a better understanding of what his receivers could and could not do. And he was able to adjust his game to maximize what was there. And I expect that same jump from Keaton from this last game to the next one against Arkansas because they will certainly need it. The Razorbacks open as a 10-point favorite. That's a big line. BYU 2-7 and seven, uh, win a double-digit dog under Kalani Satake. This will certainly be a challenge. Arkansas put up 52 on BYU last year. Uh, perhaps the good news for BYU is that Rocket Sanders, the star running back for Arkansas, did not play last week, may not play this week. We'll see. It was a lot of K.J. Jefferson needed to beat Kent State on Saturday. What do you make of this matchup as BYU goes to the SEC? I think there's more opportunity here than I kind of thought in the offseason as I looked at the schedule. And that is because Arkansas right now is trying to put some things together themselves. You mentioned injury at running back. They've got three new starters on the offensive line. And last week against Kent State, they rotated through multiple guys to try to figure out their best offensive line. They didn't run the ball very well against Kent State. And so they're trying to get some things going as well. On the defensive side of the ball for Arkansas, last year they were one of the best sacking defenses in college football, but one of the worst at giving up passing yards. And in the first two games this year, they've kind of done the same things. They've gotten a bunch of sacks, but quarterbacks, especially the Kent State quarterback, had some success. He averaged about 10 yards per pass attempt. Now, that's not to say they can't play. It's just to say that they still have things that they need to uh, resolve on that Razorback defense. And BYU right now, it looks like the strength of the offense at this point in game three is going to be the passing attack. So the offensive line needs to be able to develop a running game because so much of what BYU's passing attack does is off of play action. But at the same time, there seems to be a bit of a vulnerability that BYU's offense might be able to exploit. And then on the offense uh, of Arkansas, main focus for BYU's defense has to be contain Keanu Hill on the ground. Slow down the pass rush, keep him in the pocket, make sure that he has to to throw the ball from the pocket to beat you. Don't let him out to be a runner because if that happens, it'll be a long day. And it was a long day last year. Hopefully it's different this year. In the NFL, some notable standouts among the Cougars. Tyler Algier with two touchdowns was awesome, but Puka Nakua stole the show. I don't know how many fantasy waiver wires he's going to be in, but it's going to be a lot. 10 for 119, Trevor. That was quite the debut. Yeah, and it was a perfect storm for him. First of all, he's got the goods, right? I mean, we know he's that good at making plays and a versatile playmaker. But keep this in mind, too that Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford's favorite receiver, Cooper Cup, is out for a month on injured reserve. And 
Hukunakua and Cooper Cup are exactly identical in terms of their size and a lot of things that they're able to do. And so Stafford started to throw the ball to Puka and realized that, hey, Puka's making the play. I'll just keep throwing the ball to Puka. And all of a sudden, he now has filled that go-to spot that Cooper Cup filled for Matthew Stafford. So we'll see what happens next week. But this is a great opportunity with Cup out for a month for Puka to develop some continuity and some rhythm over the course of the next several games. And, of course, in college football, uh, Texas taking down Alabama was huge. Uh, we, we got some craziness already in week two, Trevor. We do. Texas goes to Tuscaloosa and shocks the football world. And it wasn't really that much of a shock for those who watch Texas. I mean, Texas has built line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball to compete at an SEC level, and you saw that against Alabama. Alabama wanted to physically pound Texas. They tried. They couldn't do it. And then you've got Colorado and Coach Prime, where brashness and and confidence beyond belief has stepped up to the forefront to take the college football world college football world by storm as well. It's been an exciting start to the season for completely opposite reasons. Teams you love, teams you hate, coaches you're not quite sure what to think of. And I think all of it is, has began with so much wonderful drama, and it's just been a lot of fun. Football, it's the best, man. Trevor, we appreciate the time. Best of luck this week. Thanks, guys. ESPN's Trevor Maddich on BYU Sports Nation. He wasn't as tough no, on the he, offensive line this he, week. Well, he said he's more disappointed. And, and obviously, um, you know, he evaluates O-line play way better than you and I do. And he is saying it's not good enough. So hopefully BYU can figure that out. Are there things strategically, uh, schematically, uh, emotionally that BYU can muster? I absolutely believe that. I believe BYU can fix the run game. Uh, and I this sure offensive hope it's line's too good not to, and the running backs are too good not to. I, I believe the same thing, and I hope that BYU can figure something out this week. I don't need a win this week, Spencer. I certainly would love it. What I need is for BYU to be ready for Kansas next week because BYU is, plays in what's called a conference. So oh, yeah, yeah. We, right we're, not, uh, right we're not used to that. But yeah. Yeah. I want BYU to thrive in the Big 12 more than I want BYU to beat Arkansas. But we want it all because it's Brigham Young. Let's just go 3 0. Let's just build some momentum going oh, yeah, into the Big 12. Let's yeah, go 3 0. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Let's, let's just do just it. Go three and but oh. I would rather beat Arkansas. Or sorry, I would rather beat Kansas than Arkansas. Oh, head I to head? You've got to pick one of the two? More than Arkansas. Without, a, without question. Yes. But they're going to pull more on that this week. After further review, breaks down the X to nose. What happened with the illegal touching? What's going on with the run game? How did BYU break out offensively with more explosive plays other than it being Southern Utah? Tuesday, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. After the break, is it fair to say the top-ranked BYU women's soccer team is better than the national runners-up from 2021? Okay. Ask Utah how good this year's squad is. Six goals later, this is BYU Sports Nation. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. BYU Sports Station continues live from Studio B. He is Jeremiah Spencer. Let's get to our Big 12 Roundup recap where we pick any number of big Big 12 games and we give you our picks on whether or not those teams will cover the odds makers bets. How do we do? Illinois versus Kansas on Friday. Kansas by three. We both have the Jayhawks covering, and they did. Jalen Daniels returned yes. after uh, missing the first game with a sore back, and he performed really well. Difference maker. 34-23. And it, was, it wasn't that close as the final score. Okay, second game. 12th-ranked Utah 
by seven and a half. Almost had him, Bears. Baylor. Baylor's up 13 to six late in this game. So it was always going to be a cover. It's whether Baylor was going to pull off the upset. They did not. They give up 14 in the fourth. Yeah, Baylor gives up two touchdowns super late in the game. The final two minutes, as a matter of fact, yep. and Utah wins 20 to 13. However, the line was seven and a half. I said Baylor would cover. They did. You thought that I the, thought Utes the Utes would, would be, cover. Yeah, would cover that line. Iowa three and a half. Uh, against Iowa State. Iowa 20 to 13. We both had Iowa covering, but Iowa didn't get to 25. That's in the OC's uh, like to-do contract. List. Yes. If he, he gets a bonus, if he gets 25, they did not, but they won. Yeah, they won the game. We both got that. Yep. Okay, check, check. SMU eight, at 18th ranked Oklahoma. Oklahoma by 16 and a half. The Sooners, this was my super pick, by the way. Mm -hmm. I thought the Sooners would run away with this thing. They did not, but they did win by 17. Yes. 28 to 11. So you got, you got it, 17. <laughs> by a half point. Nice, I only got the one check. Like, Holy cow. Cincy and Pitt. Uh, Cincy beats Pitt 27-21. They were up big in this one. Uh, Cincy by seven. And uh, yeah. I think Cincy's good, Jerem. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I picked them. Like, I, I was impressed with how they played in week one. They look great against Pitt. This says I didn't get this one. Didn't I get it? Because it was a seven point. Oh, it was Pitt by seven. Never yes, mind. Pitt yeah, by seven. Cincinnati yeah. won the game on the road. Just one outright. Cincinnati's good. Okay, 11th ranked Texas at number three, Alabama. Alabama favored game by seven. Uh, did not have it. Texas wins by 10. Woo. Holy cow, 17 point swing right there. Quinn Ewers was awesome. We both missed on this. This is that was your my super, super pick. pick. I missed two on that. I don't fault you for that. Oregon by six and a half against Texas Tech. Oregon wins by eight. I had uh, Oregon covering it. Yeah, I thought yeah. Texas Tech, again, this is the second week in a row Texas Tech has just absolutely imploded kinda, late in the game. Kind of blew it through a late pick there, you go. Leads and then just blew it late. They're 0-2 for the first time since 1990. Ooh, 0-2. Yeah. yeah. UCF, three and a half point favorite at Boise State. Um, this was not UCF's greatest offensive performance, but they did find a way to win with Colton Boomer, their kicker, making Good a 40-yarder as time expired. We both missed on this one. We both missed on that one. But UCF does us all a favor and yes. beats Boise State. And Oklahoma State by three and a half against Arizona State. Oklahoma State wins by 12. They had a really nice second half, 17-0, and we both had that one. So you win week two, 7-4. to four. The Sun Devils are not good, Jerome. Yeah. They're not good. Not good. Oklahoma State was the correct pick. Okay, prop picks. Prop picks now for our uh, game against uh, Southern Utah and BYU. Who will record BYU's first rush attempt? You said Aiden Robbins. You are correct, sir. Okay, so I take the point there. BYU's offense will score between 21 points or fewer, 22 to 30, 31 to 40, or 41 plus. You went 41 plus, Jerem. Yep, 17 plus, 41. It's you all take the same, that point. Dog. Okay. Over under nine and a half points allowed by the BYU defense. We both said... Uh, under. Yeah, dang it, when they it scored that touchdown, over. when I went to 10, I was like, no, we missed that one. Jay Hill yeah. was not happy about it. In fact, Jay Hill apologized to Keaton Slovis after the game, saying, we will be better for you next week. That, you want to talk about accountability? Less, less 16. That's I, my guy, Jay. I'd take that. Over, under, four and a half points for Ryan, or punts, rather, for Ryan Rico. Uh, we both went over. He did. He had five punts. Okay, barely. just barely over. And which player would have BYU's longest play from scrimmage? We did not guess that it would be Isaac Rex. <laughs> 65 yards. How about that? 8-1 women's volleyball taking on Utah. Huge game on ESPN Plus coming up 9 Eastern on Wednesday night. All right, up next, one more question from your Mailbag Monday responses. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. 
This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Live images from Lavelle Edwards Stadium looking at the bottom of the Wasatch Front from within the shadows of the Everlasting Peace be with you this day. Gorgeous morning. By the way, there are a few people that are streaming our show while they play golf at Riverside Country Club. I just got notified. Hi, guys. We'll be over in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, I wish. We would. We, we will not be doing that. Uh, welcome back to Studio B. I'm Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out today's headlines. BYU beat Southern Utah 41-16 thanks to five touchdowns, four passing, one rushing from Keaton Slovis. Isaac Rex had a career-high 112 yards and a touchdown tying Gordon Hudson's record of 22. Here's Rex. Play action for Slovis. And he's got Isaac Rex into the end zone. It's a touchdown for Isaac Rex. Jeremy, it's that, it's that karaoke chemistry, I'm telling you. Absolutely. Chase Roberts, Sirius <laughs> Lassiter, Keanu Hill each had a touchdown catch. Deion Smith added a rushing touchdown as well. The Cougars play at Arkansas Saturday are a 10-point underdog right Ooh. now. Mitch Harper of KSL Sports saying, hey, 2-7 under Kalani when you a 10-point dog. I don't like that stat. We will, uh, I don't like the truth of it. We will find the uh, find out the Kansas TV and kick time today as well. The night game in Arkansas. Let's go. Cougars in the NFL. We've talked about them at length. Puka Nakua, 10 catches, 119 yards, just the fourth rookie ever in his debut game to have at least 10 catches and 100 plus yards in a 30 to 13 LA win or LA Rams win over the Seahawks. Unbelievable numbers. Tyler Algier doing his thing. 15 carries, 75 yards on the ground. 94 total yards, two touchdowns, and the Falcons 24-10 win over the Panthers. And Fred Warner, the 49ers, eight tackles, a tackle for loss, and a pass breakup, and a 49ers resounding win, 30-7 over the Steelers. Well, Williams had 18 carries for 45 yards, two catches for seven yards with the Saints. Taysom Mill, three carries, four yards, a tackle. Saints beat the Titans 16-15. Michael Davis, six tackles, five solo. The Chargers lost to the Dolphins, 36-34, perhaps game of the day there. Tony Takitaki, three tackles in a Browns 24-3 win over the Bengals. It was weird to not have Joe Burrow and score as much. It was crazy in the rain. Kyrus Tonga had a tackle in the Vikings 20-16 loss to the Bucks. That was weird too. Mm -hmm. Zach Wilson and the Jets, of course, host the Bills tonight. Ooh. Monday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers' debut. Monday Night Football. I love those words. Number one ranked BYU women's soccer destroyed Utah. Destroyed them 6-1 on mm. Saturday night. Allie Fryer and Olivia Smith-Griffiths each recorded a brace with two goals apiece. Olivia Wade-Katoa and Rachel McCarthy with just another cracker of a shot added goals. Here's what McCarthy's goal looked and sounded like. Pushing it in and goal! Fantastic shot there. Uh, that's probably an understatement. Yeah. Uh, All she does is score outside the box now. Holy cow. Today in the top drawer soccer poll, BYU moved up from third to second. So the number two in that poll, but we don't really care. They are first in the United <laughs> Soccer Coaches poll because that's the poll that we use at BYU TV. Yeah. Up next for the top-ranked Cougars, Big 12 opener against 25th-ranked TCU Thursday night at Southfield. Let's go. On ESPNU, man. Big 12. Number Big 12. eight, BYU. I heard that. Number eight, BYU women's volleyball lost its first match of the season in four sets at number 13, Washington State. Not a bad loss. Uh, the other Cougs, pretty good. Aaron Livingston, 21 kills. Livingston and Kate Pryor were on the all-tournament team. Cougs host Utah Wednesday night on ESPN+. Plus. All right, the perfect August and September's over, but it's been a nice run. It That's was a great sure. run. Men's and women's cross country, they're doing their share of winning. The third-ranked men's team won the Autumn Classic. Joey Noakes and Creed Thompson took first and second, separated by one-tenth of a second. Number seven, 
BYU women's team also won the Autumn Classic. Jenna Hutchins and Carmen Alder took first and second. We're also separated by about one-tenth of a second. That's all they do, finish close and win. Those are today's headlines. Let's opine in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Feather Algeria had 75 rushing yards on 15 carries, two touchdowns to lead the Falcons. What do you think of how Atlanta used Tyler Algeria and Bijan Robinson? I'm so happy this is happening, but Arthur Smith said this would happen, so I guess we should have believed him. He said, we're going to be a two running back offense. Tyler Algeria is going to be a central focus of our offense. And he is, and I'm so happy he is. 77% of the catches and rushes came from those two. They are reliant on a first and second year guy. It's fun to see that Tyler was kind of the primary running back, though. though. He's the dude. He's earned the right to be the dude. That was earned guy in the NFL. Let's go. BYU will be wearing royal helmets, mm -hmm. white jerseys, and royal pants as a combo against Arkansas. Is this BYU's best road uniform combo? It's a good combo, although I'd love to see BYU with a white helmet at some point. <laughs> Perhaps that's week four. <laughs> Maybe so. That's I crazy. do love the. It's crazy the we haven't seen the traditional helmet. white helmet. I love the variation. Okay, really this is the same variation they wore against USC in 2021 when they wrapped up the Pac-12 South Division Championship Let's and go. beat the Trojans. That co The combo that they're going to wear this week is so clean. Number one women's soccer blowout, Utah 6-1, as we just mentioned. They're 7-0. Is this team better than the national runner-up? Not ready to go there just yet. In 21? Not ready to go there just yet. you got to show me what you're capable of in the tournament. Okay, This team gets to a college cup. Now we can have the conversation. I'm saying they will be, meaning they're going to get to the title game. They're going to win the Big 12. Because... All the the youngins that were on that team, the role players, they are seniors on this team. There are 11 of them. They're super experienced. They've been there. They've done that. They're now number one. I, I think this team's more talented. They don't have a cool hand, but they have more talent on this just roster than 21. They're just deeper. Yes, Aaron Bailey board. comes off the bench and scores goals. That's totally fair. Man, get to a college cup. This team needs to get there. They're so good. They're so good. So good. Uh, after the football game on Saturday, I asked Isaac Rex about his chemistry and connection with Caden Slovis. This is, this is what Isaac had to say. We did a lot of karaoke this offseason. Uh, we got a karaoke machine at, at my house in California. And so Jaron and Zach weren't much singers, but Keenan loves to sing. And so, and I love to sing too. So we actually got, you know, some good songs going. I think it helped with our uh, chemistry a little bit. So. I wanted to ask him about which go-to songs know, they like, had, I'm but like, I was songs, getting this in the background, like, go, go, Rip go. It I haven't even asked about football yet. I got to ask about the game. I love this. Is karaoke the biggest contributor to the Keaton Rex on the field success? It might be, um, but certainly the Southern California connection, obviously, when Keaton goes to work with John Beck, San Clemente, not too far away. And so uh, they can hang out with the Rexes, man. They're good friends. He did tell me that Endless Love is the song that he likes to perform on the karaoke machine with his wife. Okay. So, That's great. Isaac good, singing good for him. Endless Love straight out of Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> what? what? Friends can listen to Endless Love in the dark? BYU <laughs> <laughs> football with Kalani Stockade tomorrow, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Get your free tickets on the BYU TV app and BYUSN.com as well. After the break, we recap the week in the Big 12. Another crazy week. Big 12 roundup and prop picks on the way. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on a Tuesday. 
no football, no problem. We got you here covered and uh, after further review, plus BYU football with Kalani Satake. And then we get into the later part of the week as we push toward BYU and Arkansas. We are in Studio B holding it down and we have plenty of headlines. So let's get to them presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU football preparing for Arkansas on Saturday. Head coach Kalani Satake spoke to the media yesterday about how BYU can get better this week in preparing for the Razorbacks. We don't need to make this any, any more uh, complex than it is. We, we need to get ready for Arkansas, learn from the lessons and things that we can, we can improve on from week one and week two. Um, try not to make the same mistakes again, right? Because that happened a couple times. And so find ways to, 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 to put ourselves in a better position to have success. Of note, Arkansas running back Raheem Rocket Sanders has already been ruled out for Saturday's game, last year in Provo, he rushed for 175 yards and two touchdowns. Now, Saturday's game will kick off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2 as well as BYU Radio. Pre-game coverage on both BYU TV and BYU Radio is at 5.30 Eastern. Also, it was announced yesterday that BYU's first Big 12 game at oh, Kansas go. on September 23rd will kick off at 3.30 Eastern time on ESPN and, of course, BYU Radio. Huge news about Rocket Sanders not playing for Arkansas. Let's stay in the NFL now on the football beat. Zach Wilson rushed into action last night against the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football after Aaron Rodgers left the game with a significant Achilles injury. Zach went 14 for 21, 140 yards, a touchdown and an interception in the Jets' dramatic come from behind overtime thriller 22-16. After the game, Jets head coach Robert Sala announced that Zach will be the Jets' starting quarterback for the rest of the season. Here is Mr. Wilson speaking to SNY following the win about the emotions of the game. Yeah, still in awe. What an unbelievable finish by the guys. Um, you know, so unfortunate for Aaron at the beginning, but everyone held strong, tried to focus. The defense obviously getting four turnovers was huge. Uh, we got to capitalize on those more of an offense, but then to finish like that uh, with Xavier, a young dude that has so much talent, I'm so happy for him. Uh, unbelievable team win. Zach, when you saw Aaron go down, what was the emotion? And the whole stadium just was deflated. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that is so unfortunate, but in my position, you have to understand it happens, and you have to be ready, and you have to be able to step up and, and play. And my job is to close the gap. How, how close can I be to Aaron Rodgers? And, you know, I'm going to keep working on that every single week. And how much fun was this? Unbelievable. So much fun. These are the best wins. I love that response from Zach. It's my job to close the gap between me and Aaron Rodgers. Mature response. Absolutely. BYU women's volleyball fell four spots to number 12 in the ABCA poll following their 2-1 and one week last week. Up next for the Cougars is Utah. Ooh. They'll be at Smith Fieldhouse tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. BYU women's golf opening the season yesterday at the Sam Golden Invitational at... Oakmont Country Club in Corinth, Texas through the first day of action. The Cougars in 11th place, even par as a team. Lily Denunzio is BYU's leader so far, tied for 29th at two under par. Good luck to the women. Those are today's headlines. Let's opine in the whip. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. How big of a deal is it that uh, Raheem Rocket Sanders is not going to play for Arkansas against the Cougs? I said it a moment ago. Yeah. It's a huge deal. Huge. I feel like with Arkansas opening up as a 10-point favorite and then finding out that Rocket Sanders is not going to play, 
the line will probably drop a few more points. I expect it to be closer to a touchdown. KJ Jefferson, that. unfortunately, is still there. He is. He is for sure. But this is this is big, big news. This helps BYU tremendously. No question about it. Not him not being there takes away a big weapon for them. Fox Sports attempting to arrange a new postseason basketball tournament in Las Vegas for teams that missed the NCAA tournament. It would be the top 16 teams according to net ranking from the Big 12, Big 10, and Big East who do not qualify for March Madness that would be required to play in this tournament, Jason. No, option to, no option to deny, just you're required to play even if the team receives an invite to the NIT. So they say no to the NIT, yes to this tournament. What are your thoughts on this? Look, if it gives a, a team, let's say you, you don't make the NCAA tournament, if you're BYU, you don't make the NCAA tournament, if it's an opportunity to keep playing, I'm all for it, absolutely. And you know coaches just want more opportunities for their team to get better. If it means more opportunities to get on the court and try and get better, even if it's for the next season, they're gonna take it every time. Well, it would be high level basketball for sure, because if it's the 16 teams from three power six conferences that are just missing the cut and are on the wrong side of the bubble, like these, these are gonna be like high quality NIT teams. Absolutely. So I'm intrigued a little bit. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Another tournament, I'm just like, ugh. Is, is it going to get to the point one? where it's like bowl games? Another, yeah, we're pushing that way for Wait, sure. It's, yeah, it's, we're, we're basically there. But look, more BYU basketball, I'll take that. Fair no enough. problem with that. All right. All right, number 12, BYU women's volleyball will host Utah tomorrow night at the Smith Fieldhouse. You can check it out on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern. Up next, Uncle B, dual threat analyst, national champion, Blaine Fowler is in Studio B. How concerned is he at this point about BYU's rushing attack? This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. BYU Sports Station continues live from Studio B. He is Jeremiah Spencer. Let's get to our Big 12 Roundup recap where we pick any number of big Big 12 games and we give you our picks on whether or not those teams will cover the odds makers' bets. How do we do? Illinois versus Kansas on Friday. Kansas by three. We both have the Jayhawks covering, and they did. Jalen Daniels returned yes. after uh, missing the first game with a sore back, and he performed really well. Difference maker. 34-23. And it, was, it wasn't that close as the final score. Okay, second game. 12th ranked Utah by seven and a half. Almost had him, Bears! Baylor. Baylor's up 13 to six late in this game. So. It was always going to be a cover. It's whether Baylor was going to pull off the upset. They did not. They give up 14 in the fourth. Yeah, Baylor gives up two touchdowns super late in the game. The final two minutes, as a matter of fact, yep. and Utah wins 20 to 13. However, the line was seven and a half. I said Baylor would cover. They did. You thought that I the, thought Utes the Utes would, would be, cover. Yeah, would cover that line. Iowa three and a half uh, against Iowa State. Iowa 20 to 13. We both had Iowa covering, but Iowa didn't get to 25. That's in the OCs. Uh, like to do contract. List? Yes. If he, he gets a bonus, if he gets 25, they did not, but they won. Yeah, they won the game. We both got that. Okay, yep. check, check. SMU eight, at 18th ranked Oklahoma. Oklahoma by 16 and a half. 
The Sooners, this was my super pick, by the way. Mm-hmm. I thought the Sooners would run away with this thing. They did not, but they did win by 17. Yes. 28 to 11. So you got, you got it, 17. <laughs> by a half point. Nice, I only got the one check. Holy cow. Cincy and Pitt. Uh, Cincy beats Pitt 27-21. They were up big in this one. Uh, Cincy by seven, and uh, yeah. I think Cincy's good, Jerem. Yeah. That's why. That's why I picked them. Like I, I was impressed with how they played in Week One. They look great against Pitt. This says I didn't get this one. Didn't I get it? Because it was a seven point. Oh, it was Pitt by seven. Yes, yeah, Pitt yeah, by seven. Cincinnati yeah. won the game on the road. Just one outright. Cincinnati's good. Okay, 11th ranked Texas at number three Alabama. Alabama favored Game by seven. Uh, it did not happen. Texas wins by 10. Woo. Holy cow, 17-point swing right there. Quinn Ewers was awesome. We both missed on this. This that is your super pick. That was my super pick. I missed two on that. I don't fault you for that. Oregon by six and a half against Texas Tech. Oregon wins by eight. I had uh, Oregon covering it. Yeah, I thought Good. Texas Tech. Again, this is the second week in a row. Texas Tech has just absolutely imploded kinda, late in the game. Kind of blew it through a late pick there. You go. Leads and then just blew it late. They're 0-2 for the first time since 1990. Ooh! Yeah. 0-2. Yeah. UCF, three-and-a-half-point favorite at Boise State. Um, this was not UCF's greatest offensive performance, but they did find a way to win with Colton Boomer, their kicker, making Good a name. 40-yarder as time expired. We both missed on this one. We both missed on that one. But UCF does us all a favor and yes. beats Boise State. And Oklahoma State by three-and-a-half against Arizona State. Oklahoma State wins by 12. They had a really nice second half, 17-0. And we both had that one. So you win week two, seven to four. The Sun Devils are not good, Jerome. Yeah. They are not good. Not good. Oklahoma State was the correct pick. Okay, prop picks. Prop picks now for our uh, game against uh, Southern Utah and BYU. Who will record BYU's first rush attempt? You said Aiden Robbins. You are correct, sir. Okay, so I take the point there. BYU's offense will score between 21 points or fewer, 22 to 30, 31 to 40, or 41 plus. You went 41 plus, Jerem. Yep, 17 plus, 41. You it's all the same, dog. Point, okay? Over under nine and a half points allowed by the BYU defense. We both said uh, under. Yeah, dang it. When they it scored that touchdown, over. when I went to 10, I was like, no, we missed that one. Jay Hill yeah. was not happy about it. In fact, Jay Hill apologized to Keaton Slovis after the game, saying, we will be better for you next week. That, you want to talk about accountability? Less, less than 16. That's I'd, my guy, Jay. I'd take that. Over under four and a half points for Ryan, or punts rather, for Ryan Rico. Uh, we both went over. He did. He had five punts. Okay, barely. just barely over. And which player would have BYU's longest play from scrimmage? We did not guess that it would be Isaac Rex. <laughs> 65 yards. How about that? 8 1 women's volleyball taking on Utah. Huge game on ESPN Plus coming up 9 Eastern on Wednesday night. All right, up next, one more question from your Mailbag Monday responses. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation on demand, Jason. Did you know? I did know. You, know. Uh, you can download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps or listen to the podcast while you're there. Please subscribe, rate, and review. All right, we're in front of the big monitor. That means big things, typically. <laughs> right? We sure. hope, anyway. Yeah. It's Top 5 Tuesday featuring the top five plays against SEC competition. This in BYU football history. Start us off, Shep. All right, hey, BYU plays Arkansas this Saturday. How about we go back to Puka Nakua's fourth down catch versus Arkansas last year, fourth and eight on the Arkansas 35-yard line. Set up an Isaac Rex touchdown on the very next play. Look at that. It's on fourth down, Jason. Look at that catch. Oh, gets the feet down. That's an NFL catch. Puka doing Puka things. Are we surprised? No, not at all. Number four. Oh, the great athletic director, Tom Holmo, way back when against Georgia in 1982. Pick six. 
for number 46. Attaboy, Tom tied the game in the first quarter. Seven, I mean, BYU's down seven, nothing, but 63 yards for a touchdown. Cougars end up losing this game to Herschel Walker and the Bulldogs, but wow, how about Tom Homo's contribution there? Not bad at all. All right, all right number three, Kyle Van Oy with his strip sack versus Ole Miss yes. in 2011. So 5.09 left in the game. BYU's down seven or 13 to seven. It's third and 27. Kyle Van Oy causes and recovers the fumble for the touchdown. He celebrates, the Cougars celebrate, and BYU wins by a point. 14-13. What the heck was Ole Miss doing trying to throw it on third and 27? Just take your medicine and punt the ball, dude. Hey, we're thankful. We're very grateful. Number two. Let's go to Knoxville, Tennessee. And number two, Tyson Williams. The push. The entire offensive line scores a touchdown together with Tyson Williams in the second overtime to clinch a dramatic BYU victory at Neyland Stadium, incredible finish there. And number one, and it's appropriate because this also involves Zach Wilson. Perfect. The Micah Miracle versus Tennessee, 17 seconds left. BYU on their own 19-yard line. Zach Wilson Whee! finds Micah Simon, look at that, <laughs> for a 64-yard game to set up Jake Oldroyd's field goal that would send this game into overtime, and we know how that one would end. Holy cow. And Spencer made some friends on that trip. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to the Tennessee student section for sure. <laughs> Our question of the day. On the heels of that number one play against SEC competition featuring Zach Wilson, do you feel like Zach Wilson has turned a corner in the NFL after watching his Monday night football performance last night? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX. Healthcare Elevated comes in from Alan Purvis on X, who says he was a lot more consistent than I remember seeing him in the past. Made one bad read, the interception. Other than that, he was on point putting the ball where it needed to be. And there were some other throws that were offline. I mean, again, the throw to yeah. Garrett Wilson, not a great throw. And Zach said that was not a good throw. But Garrett Wilson made a great play. The end result is great. But he did make some nice throws. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Specifically to Alan Lazard on two occasions, okay? And then a low one in the zone to Garrett Wilson on that same drive to set up the tying touchdown. Like, there were some throws there for sure. Yeah, let's not short Zach, – Zach was absolutely part of that win last night. Yes. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. To New York City and the Jets fans on September 11th. Yeah, what a, what, a, what a great night to be able to celebrate a victory. That was absolutely magical. Our thanks to today's guests, Tyler Batty and Blaine Fowler. Conversation continues 24-7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all of our shows on demand, BYUSN.com. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Va'a Matalolo. We'll see you tonight for After Further Review and BYU Football's Kalani Satake. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. BYU football roughly 55 hours away from kicking off against Arkansas at Frank Broyles Field in Razorback Stadium. Now, if you missed it yesterday, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick implemented a change in the BYU backfield this week. LJ's gonna start this game and Aiden's gonna play too and so is Dion, but LJ's gonna start this game. What went into that decision to go with LJ and give him a start? Uh, he's breaking tackles. Coverage for the Cougars and Razorbacks begins with BYU Sports Nation game day live on BYU TV and Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. 
Number 12, women's volleyball takes down Utah in four sets last night, hitting 345 in front of a record-breaking Smithfield House crowd in women's volleyball of 5,528. BYU was paced by 16 kills from Aaron Livingston and 14 kills from freshman Claire Little. Bowered a little. Claire Little has taken over the match. Indeed she did. Cougars play at Utah Valley Friday at Utah State Saturday. Number one ranked BYU women's soccer hosts TCU tonight in the Big 12 opener. First ever Big 12 contest for any sport at BYU. Keep in mind the Cougars were picked to finish first in the Big 12 by a single point over TCU in the preseason poll. You can watch the game on ESPNU tonight at 9 Eastern. Big 12 Defender of the Week, Olivia Smith-Griffiths and her teammate Kendall Peterson join Jerem in a few minutes to preview tonight's matchup. And tonight on Thursday Night Football, hey, it's back. Jaron Hall, Kyrus Tong and the Vikings play the Philadelphia Eagles. Those are today's headlines. Let's whip it. Google Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. BYU is 10 and six, Jerem, against Power Five opponents since the beginning of the 2019 football season. Are we ready to move past the longtime 40% Power Five victory rate for BYU, given the recent success for the Cougars in the last four years? I mean, 62 and a half percent win rate over the last four seasons. What do you think? That's pretty awesome. We have not seen BYU play 10 P5s in a row like this or nine every year, at least in league and consecutively after those three games. So not quite yet. I do love that BYU has increased that number by 20 plus percent. That's awesome. But I do need to see BYU for three to five years in the league and see what that looks like and what how BYU recruits to match that. They've certainly gotten better in the talent department this year, we think, but they've got to show it on the field. Yeah, right now I'm leaning more toward four power five wins, which will get BYU to six. But there's, I mean, there's a good chance that some of the teams on BYU's schedule are not as good as we thought they were going to be. We're starting to see that. I already referenced that earlier. There's five wins out of the 10 Power 5 opponents on BYU's schedule, I believe. The Cougars just need to be a little bit opportunistic, take advantage of some home field advantage in conference. And yeah, I think BYU can string together five wins. So I'm settling on the 45 to 50%. I think BYU could win half of their Power 5 games. I think that would be totally fair this season. Yeah, I'd, I'd take five for seven wins in the regular season. I'd take that right now. Uh, Jets players have gone out of their way this week to voice their support for Zach Wilson as the new starting quarterback given the Aaron Rodgers Achilles injury out for the year. What do you make of all the public support from Jets players and coaches for Zach? I think this is Aaron Rodgers leading out. I think his example in the locker room of embracing Zach, pulling him into his hip pocket to learn from him and to grow with him in the film room and through training camp. I think this is just showing you what Aaron Rodgers did for the locker room and how they view Zach Wilson. This is what Aaron would want. This is what the Jets players are doing. And this is also an indication of what Robert Sala has said. He's told his players, Zach is our guy for the rest of the season. And the players have publicly bought into that. This, they believe that Zach is the guy better than any other veteran or free agent out there right now that will help the Jets win the most games. We'll see if that comes to fruition, but I think this is, this is an, an indicative thing from Robert Sala and Aaron Rodgers saying, everybody get behind Zach, we need you to do this. Well, one out of desperation, they need him to be good unless they trade for a backup from another team and invest that. But 
They've put some capital into Zach. One, keeping him in two. They've seen the growth he's made in the offseason and uh, in the preseason. He had a really nice preseason. And now they're going to they're gonna back him. They should back their guy. And uh, hopefully Zach can break through a piece that's been hard for him in terms of taking care of the ball, making good decisions. We've seen it at times, but consistently. Because if he does, this Jets team can do a lot. Like, this team can be in the playoffs and do something interesting if Zach can play well. And they've got a good run game. It, it, it's basically, can Zach deliver for the, this Jets team? And obviously, we are all rooting for that for Zach. Can the number two pick in the 2021 draft get the Jets to 10 wins in a playoff spot? We will watch with, uh, I mean, with fascination as this develops. Now, he was the number two pick. The number one ranked team in the country, BYU Women's Soccer, hosts TCU tonight, Jerem. Will this be the toughest game remaining on the women's soccer schedule this season? No, TCU is very good, but Texas ranked 16th, 6-1-1. Texas Tech is 6-0-2, unbeaten at this point. Houston 6-1-1. There are lots of big games. I don't think this is the toughest game left on the schedule. But when you're number one, Spence, everybody's gunning for you. But this BYU team is uniquely prepared yeah. for this moment because they just didn't show up at number one this year. They went to the national championship game. They were a Sweet 16 team. They're perennially in the top 20. They have added impact transfers and freshmen. The bench players would start on most teams around the country. No, this is the most talented BYU women's soccer team, in my opinion, ever. And they are prepared for this moment, for this season, to be number one for TCU, to make a run, to win a national championship. I've never been more excited than for this women's soccer team specifically. I think they're ready for this moment. TCU happens to be the next opponent and the first of many Big 12 games. It's not too far-fetched to think that this BYU team could run the table, Jerem. I'm not saying I go. I agree. Unbeat meaning a tire two you, or three. Where you, where you win every game. Yeah. Yeah. There may be a few ties in there. Sure. I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that they do not lose a game this season. The road contest at Texas, to me, is the toughest remaining game on the schedule. And if they can get through TCU tonight and get through that Texas stretch without being beaten, watch out. They'll be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, and they will host to hopefully what is their second college cup. That would be awesome. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Next on BYUSN, Zach Wilson thrust back into action last night for the Jets in the NFL. What do we make of that moment, and do we believe Zach has turned a corner now? Plus, I go one-on-one with BYU defensive end Tyler Batty on how the BYU defense is preparing to face a potent Arkansas quarterback and offense. Our quarterback, Blaine Fowler, will discuss Keaton Slovis' improvement from week one to week two, and how concerned is he about BYU's rushing attack? Plus, this week's Top 5 Tuesday features BYU's top five plays all time against SEC teams. I like that. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Score, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, September 12th. I am Spencer Linton. He is already suffering from football withdrawal, Jason Shepard. We, uh, we had quite the game that wrapped up a pretty fun weekend, not just in the NFL, but in college football. And uh, I can't wait for more, Spencer. You have to wait 
about 48 hours because it's too much. Football's back on Thursday. Hey, it's it's isn't it back every day really? And and frankly, when Maction starts on Wednesday, then it's only Tuesday that you don't have football. And even then, Jason, you have after further review mm-hmm. and BYU Sports Nation to get you through and your you can, Tuesday. You can always check out things on demand. Right? It's all there for you. Yes. So while there is technically no live football today. We got you covered with After Further Review and BYU Sports Nation. All rise and shout. Let's get to it in What's Trending. What's Trending presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. Last night, an unbelievably magical moment for New York City. On 9-11, for the suffering Jets fans, they got... What I believe, Jason, is long overdue. Just something to rally around. And in a, in a moment that seemed hopeless when Aaron Rodgers goes out with seemingly a season-ending injury and in comes Zach Wilson once again, he helps lead New York and their cast of very, very motivated and talented characters to an improbable 22-16 overtime win. So, Zach Wilson's been named the starter for the rest of the year. Because Rodgers has torn his Achilles, what did you make of that entire situation last night, Jason? Well, I was watching it from the beginning, and, you know, Buffalo gets the first possession, so they they don't do anything with theirs, and here comes Aaron Rodgers, and four plays in, he goes down. And you're thinking, okay, well, that doesn't look good, but then he stands up. But the camera stays on him, and then all of a sudden he he just kind of sits back down, and you're like, oh, Oh, that's not good. Yeah. And then you're thinking immediately, I'm like, okay, well, Zach's going to get in this game, even if it's just for a couple of plays until Aaron can come back. Then you realize the severity of all this, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, my goodness. All of this talk that Zach was going to have all this time to sit behind Aaron and learn and be in his hip pocket. Now it is his show. I was so happy for him that he was part of that win last night. And, you know, there were certainly throws, certainly the interception that he talked about that he would love to have back. But he came up big on a couple first downs, some third down plays where he was able to pick up a first down, one of which was unbelievable. For a second, I thought he may have turned his ankle because he kind of rolled it and he starts falling to the ground and somehow is able to get the ball out to Lazard for a massive first down and keep that drive going, which ultimately would end in a touchdown, a miraculous catch from Garrett Wilson, by the way. (laughs) So it was with the way the night started – from a BYU perspective, certainly, I was happy for, for Zach Wilson to get an opportunity and for yeah. him to be part of the win. Yeah. That was cool. What we didn't see was the spiral of downward play that we have seen when things start to go wrong for Zach. So he throws that interception, and, y- you know, if, if you've watched that closely, you can't help but think, uh-oh, like, is this going to snowball yeah. in, into kind of what we saw last year? And to his credit, it did not. Now, he wasn't, like, unbelievably flashy and making these incredible throws consistently down the field and stretching the defense. Like, Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, immediately is like, okay, what do we know that Zach is pretty good at? Okay, the screen game, little sidearm throws. Let's keep things simple. Yes. And to Hackett's credit and the Jets' offensive line's credit, they established a run game. That gave Zach a little bit of breathing room mentally. Yes. 
And they just figured out a way to piece it together. So, And the defense kept them in oh, that. Oh, the de- defense is unbelievable. Down 10, the defense kept them in it with the interceptions, kept giving yes. the offense opportunities until they could find a rhythm. I was encouraged because Zach did not spiral out of control. He, he had a, like a mature moment where he bounced back and he made yes. the throws you were talking about and did enough. Like he did enough. In fact, the touchdown play to Garrett Wilson was an audible. It was a run call. And to his credit, he had the confidence to be like, okay, I see I have Garrett Wilson to my left one-on-one. I'm going to audible into this, and we're going to try what was supposed to be a back shoulder throw. It was upfield, and an all-pro player makes an all-pro play. But it, it just it was magical for the Jets and the city of New York yeah. to have that happen. Now, after the game, Zach spoke to the media about the emotions of stepping in for Aaron Rodgers on the first drive of the game. You know, I've uh, I've so much love for him. So you know, uh, you know, my heart goes out to him. I have no idea what's happened. I got to see my halftime for a second, but you know, I I know, you know, he'll find a way to keep keep working to get back. But that, that's tough. It hurts us as a team, you know. But my job as a quarterback is I got to step up and I got to be able to be efficient as I can in that offense and. A lot of emotions, right? Like week one, opening day, you know, um, trying to learn as much as I can from this guy, but I also got to make sure I'm ready to go. And ah, this, is, this is a tough balance because yeah. it's one thing to learn from a guy when you're in the film room and just kind of be talking with him and another to watch him do what he is teaching you to do. And now Zach doesn't have that opportunity. He's not going to be able to watch Aaron Rodgers go out there and be like, see, this is what I was talking about. See that throw I just made? See that read I just made? Now it's just you got to trust what I'm saying, and it's up to you to go and execute that. That's that's tougher. So I hate that. But Jason, all things considered, based on what you saw last night from Zach Wilson, do you feel like he has turned a corner after watching what he did on the field last night? Look, I mean, I don't want this to come across as a cop out answer, but there's really no way to know after one game. I was pleased with what I saw last night, and I, I think, and you brought up the fact that. Once he came in, Hackett had to tweak. Every bit of that game plan offensively was based off of Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback and his ability to, when he gets to the line, be able to survey the field and make changes and and rearrange guys where he needs them to be. Jason, immediately that playbook was cut from 100% down to about 40%. So so I was was very pleased to see what Zach was able to do on the fly. What's going to be fun – to see is now moving forward, now that you know Aaron Rodgers is out of the mix permanently for the rest of the year, now you're going to have these game plans catered towards Zach Wilson. Has he turned a corner? You probably can't truly answer that question until you get at least halfway into the season because that's going to let you know whether it was one game or not. I certainly like his odds for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think they have a much better offensive coordinator in Hackett that's yes. gonna, that can help him. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I like, based off of the weapons he has this year, it is far better than weapons he has had previously. And I'm talking about his, his skill position players, wide receiver, running back. Because obviously last year, they ended up losing Hall for almost the entire season. Yeah, Brees I, Hall is going yes, to help. Yes. And look, as great as that defense was last year, I think they're even better this year. So I think the weapons around him are significantly better. And now that you can put a game plan in for Zach, I like his chances. But to truly say, has he turned a corner? We're probably not going to be able to answer that question until we get further into this. I season. mean, listen to these names. Garrett Wilson. Okay, you saw what he's capable of. Brees Hall rips off a, what, 
an 80-plus yard run last night. He goes for over 100. Dalvin Cook, a key late addition to the Jets, who was an all-world running back for the Minnesota Vikings. These are really good players. Randall Cobb. Yeah, I know he's a veteran, but he's a guy that can help yes, Zach figure absolutely. things out. He's been in all of those battles with Aaron Rodgers. Yes. He can say, hey, we can, we can try this. Let's try this. Bringing those guys in, those guys were brought in for Aaron. But those guys will be able to help Zach immensely. The situation is not ideal for Zach to have to be thrust back into action this soon. But you better believe that the relationship he has with Aaron Rodgers is going to help him because Aaron Rodgers essentially – is going to be Zach's personal quarterbacks coach, right? right? Yeah. He has Nathaniel Hackett yeah. as his offensive coordinator, and now he has Aaron Rodgers as his quarterbacks coach. And he's got, as a supplementary help, Randall Cobb, who's been in all these offenses with Hackett and Aaron right. Rodgers. So I do like that. It's too early. I'm with you. Too early to say, yes, Zach has turned a corner. But I will say that he can, he can absolutely use this as a foundation. He can build on this moment where it's like, Okay, I've now beaten the Bills twice. I've beaten Josh Allen twice head-to-head, including in just a wild scenario on opening night on Monday Night Football in front of a national audience. When is is the pressure going to be bigger than that moment for Zach this year? You're right. Outside of the playoffs, if the Jets get to the playoffs. When's it going to be bigger, Jason? Like, he's not going to feel more pressure than that moment all season long because that was unbelievably unexpected. Uh, To his credit, he did enough. Uh, I hope he's turned a corner. He can certainly build off of this. All right, topic number two. Let's zero back in on uh, our team here in Provo. Uh, through two games, BYU's rushing attack has struggled to get going, averaging 79 yards per game. Now, against Southern Utah, BYU ran for just 46 yards. Here's offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick yesterday on Coordinator's Corner on why it's not time to panic just yet. Not yet. I mean, we need to we need to play better for sure. There, nobody's nobody's content or feeling like we've arrived by any means. Just after after one solid game, we have a lot of work to do. There's a lot of things we can do better as a team. Um, but yeah, two games is is definitely we've we've uh, you know scored a lot of points here and been ran the ball really well here the last few years. And uh, I have no doubts that 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 time is coming. And media overreacting to the struggles currently of the BYU running game. Well, let's look at the overreaction scale, Jason. Okay. <laughs> Is there a scale? Yeah, Is sure. Like the heat scale? On a scale of uh, one being the worst, which is like 2017, going four and nine, right? <laughs> Up to, well, sorry, that would be 10. Okay. One being like uh, a nine and four season in, in 2016. Okay. I feel like I'm kind of right, I'm kind of right in the middle, and I think that's that's probably a little bit lower than most where most fans and media. Are. I think most fans and media are like, uh oh, they're probably closer to a six or a seven on on the panic scale. Um, just because BYU was not able to establish a run against a couple of opponents that on paper we felt like they shouldn't have that much trouble with, but Aaron Roderick is saying. Well, it doesn't matter the opponent if the safeties are playing low and they're just loading the box and they are making it clear like we are not going to let you run. We are daring you to throw. And Keaton Slovis and the air attack did their thing. I mean, he had good numbers. But still, there's like this, it's almost like this pride thing, Jason, against a team like Southern Utah where it's like, I don't care if you put eight or even nine in the box. (laughs) <laughs> but 11 cover zero <laughs> you're in cover zero and you just load the box 
we are still going to run against you. There's this like this pride thing, like, well, they're an FCS team. We should be able to run all over them. And I still feel that a little bit. Yeah. Where it's like, BYU's offensive line, I have high expectations for them. So even if they do put eight in the box, like, we still get three yards of carry, right? BYU didn't do that. They could not get three yards of carry. Uh, Aaron said he adjusted. BYU wins the game. They throw for a ton of yards. So... I don't know. Like I think, I think some of the worry is validated. Sure, it's, it's valid. It, it feels right, but I'm not ready to be like, oh, BYU is going to go. You know, BYU is going to win three or four games this year because they can't run the ball. However, if Arkansas looks at the tape, they would be crazy not to emulate what Sam Houston and Southern Utah did, right? Yeah. I mean, are you panicking? Look, you and I are are, are basically on the same page with this. Look, after two games, I, I, I'm surprised. I expected a lot more on the ground from the BYU rushing attack. And it's because I look at the talent that's there. And yeah, the talent that we're seeing is new to BYU, but I, I expected more. So am, am, I, am I freaked out about it? No, but it is concerning that you didn't have more rushing yards against Sam Houston and Southern Utah. And I completely understand what, what A-Rod is talking about that, look, you take what's given to you. And, yeah, we may want to run the ball, but if they're going to give us the pass, we've got Keaton Slovis and look at all the weapons. We saw what Isaac Rex did. So I can certainly understand that. Ultimately, I don't expect this to continue because the talent, in my opinion, mm. is too good. So I think they will figure this out. But after two games, I would be lying to you if I didn't say I was surprised sure. that this is all that we've seen on the ground. All right, as we close out this topic, I want you to listen to one more soundbite from Aaron Roderick on being able to win on offense in multiple ways. Saturday was just like I said before, it was a game where SUU was daring us to throw the ball. As low as those safeties were all game, um, it was about the passing game Saturday. There might be games where we have to rush for 200, 250 yards to win, and there's going to be games where, you know, uh, we got to throw it to win. And one thing I like about our system and our team is that we have guys that are, we can win any style of ball game, I believe, with the, with the players we have and the, the offensive system that we have. I think we're equipped to get into a shootout if we need to, or we can grind it out too. And, and um, that's, that's something that I'm proud of about this group. On the list of 10 most used cliches in sports, especially in football, you'll find the phrase, take what the defense gives you. Right. Okay, that's where Aaron Roderick is coming from. Take what the defense is going to allow you to do. What becomes really concerning and problematic, Jason, is when, if you use the Sam Houston game as a case study, when the rushing attack is not working and they're loading the box and the pass game really isn't efficient either. Then that's, that's where it gets worrisome. Right. Yep. It's like, okay, well, they're giving... They're giving you more in the pass game, but you got guys running the wrong routes. You have your offensive line missing their assignments at times. Keaton Slovis is getting hit. He's getting sacked. Like that, that's what's concerning. So I don't know. Is, is this more on the offensive line? Is this more on the running backs? Is this just defense is stacking the box? Maybe it's all of the above. It's, but, it's a combination of all of it. But hopefully, if... Arkansas decides to load the box again and their safeties are playing low and they're daring BYU to throw, uh, the Cougars can protect Keaton Slovis because keeping him upright is the key to having any shot to win in Fayetteville at that, at that point. Look, if BYU can't run, you got to throw, yeah. and if you can't keep him upright, you're not going to win the game. At the end of the day, fans, just, fans, coaches, players, all they want is to win. How it happens, 
the end of the day, probably doesn't matter that much as long as you win. Amen to that. Yep. Zach Wilson, a winner last night, by the way. Yes, he was. Our question of the day, do you feel like Zach Wilson has turned a corner after watching his performance last night? Kim Howard 23 on Instagram adds, yes, he's improved. I think you can see good things he's learned in short time working with Rodgers, but he has a ways to go. He'll keep learning through, though, and improving, she says. Love his work ethic and determination. All right, Jason, you take DJ Jazzy Gents. All right. So it's uh, sad to say, but not yet. But I reserve further comment until after the next few weeks where the game plan is developed around him and he works with the starters. I am rooting for him 100% and want him to shine. All right. There was a phrase that Aaron Rodgers said to Zach Wilson that was shown in Hard Knocks where he said, by the time you get to your, you know, your second motion or your second read, like if it's not there, you got to be using your legs because you're super athletic. And Rodgers is saying, like, I can't do that. You can, you can do that. Yeah. So by the time you get to your, you know, second, like, pump fake or your second progression and you're not you, – there's nothing there, you got you to be moving. Yeah, and there were a couple times last night where he was a little bit slow to yes. get to that point. Yes. But it, but he, it but started it got to come. Better. Yes, yes, it started to come it to him. Yes. better. Yep. So I feel like he was, he was learning from that and hearing yes. Aaron Rodgers 100%. in that moment. Hashtag BYUS on an X, Facebook, and Instagram to join the conversation. All right, watch today's episode of After Further Review as Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon take you through the X's and O's of the Southern Utah game and take a look ahead to this weekend's game at Arkansas. And check it out, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Up next, BYU's defense still doing their thing, and BYU defensive end Tyler Batty joins me to discuss how the BYU defense is preparing to face Arkansas's high-powered offense for a second year in a row. What can they do differently? This is BYU Sports Nation. Oh, they played really well. They tackled well. They're just aggressive. An amazing game. I was really happy with the way they tackled. We are live at Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jason Shepard. That BYU defense, Jason, has only given up 16 points all season. So. It's hard to feel nitpicky, right? 16 points, man. Through two games, I'll take that. Pretty solid. Even if the opponents are Sam Houston and Southern Utah, that's still a very good number. But I said yesterday, Jay Hill found his quarterback, Keaton Slovis, and said, hey, our defense will be better for you next week. No, don't worry. We're talking about extreme ownership and accountability, right? How do you not love Jay Hill? I'm certain that Tyler Batty, one of his defensive ends, loves his new defensive coordinator, and they got a stiff challenge ahead against Arkansas. I went one-on-one -on -one with Tyler to discuss how they plan to alter the plan this year and not give up 52 points. Here's that conversation. Mr. Batty, you are a car guy. You and I connect on that level, so I feel it only fitting that uh, I'm in my car as I meet with you to discuss what's about to happen at Arkansas. How you feeling these days? Good. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Um, what parallels do you draw between automobiles and cars and football? <laughs> um, lots of moving parts that all have to work together. I think that's the simplest way to put it. Yeah. In that regard, how do you feel like things are going with so many moving parts for BYU football through the first two weeks? Is this a high functioning automobile? Uh, I would, I would agree. I would say so. I would say it's a very high performance vehicle that, uh, that at least we're endeavoring to create here. And, and I think, I think the pieces are, are coming together well. Now, certainly on the defensive side, I mean, giving up no points to Sam Houston, only 16 to Southern Utah. 
How would you assess the defense after two weeks? And more importantly, what is Jay Hill telling you the defense is doing through those first two weeks? Yeah. Uh, you know, we've, we've had, we've had good, uh, good things and bad things. Right. And that's, that's what happens, right. You get, you get into the first couple of games of the season, trying to figure those things out, right. Trying to make sure all those parts are, are well oiled and moving properly. Um, and so that's, that's what we've been doing is we've been finding the spots that are sticking uh, and trying to, and trying to grease them up. So everything runs uh, smoothly as it should and, and make sure that, yeah, the defense, uh, is the defense that we want it to be right. A hard, tough nosed, aggressive defense that we don't give up very many points and we're able to put our offense in great situations. The pride of pace and Tyler Batty is with us on BYU sports nation and even using the car verbiage. That's a veteran move on your part. Um, I do want to look into specifically some of the things that you feel like are hitting on all cylinders right now. Like what's the best thing that the defense is doing right now? I think honestly playing as as a unit. I think uh that was especially on display versus Sam Houston, right? Uh back end linebackers, front end, everyone everyone's working really well together, right? Um we're we're getting after it up front. Uh our you know, our DBs and everyone's are locking it down uh in the secondary and 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 then everyone's rallying to the ball, making tackles, making plays, interceptions, fumbles, uh, you know, all those all those things are going to become products of of everyone working together. And in contrast, what are the things that need a little more grease, need to uh, run a little smoother? Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I think, uh, you know, maybe limit, limiting some explosive plays. We gave up, you know, some explosive plays against uh, SU that allowed them to, uh, you know, get in the red zone and score. Uh, that's something that we want to we want to prevent. Right. And so we got to we got to make sure that, yeah, again, everyone's just doing their job and, and we're taking care of uh, business as usual. Now, I know Arkansas will present a number of challenges. You know Arkansas. You played against them last year. You know what their quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, is capable of, especially if you don't wrap up a behemoth beast like he is a quarterback. So how are you altering the approach for the second go-around against K.J. Jefferson and Arkansas? Yeah, uh, honestly, it really, like, like I mentioned a second ago, it just comes back to everyone doing their job, right, being in the position that they need to be, um, and then – Again, rallying to the ball. He's a he's a big guy, right? And he's he's tough to take down. We've seen that in the past. Uh, that's something he does consistently. And so we just got to all hands on deck, right? Uh, to 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 make sure that we get him down and and get that offense stopped. What else do you know about Arkansas's offense at this point? Because I know it's still relatively early in the week. So what what do you feel like they are and what they're going to try and do? Yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna run the ball right. Uh, you know, first off, they're gonna come out and they're gonna try to try them try to move the ball on the ground and and they're also gonna throw it right. Uh, you know, we've seen through the first two weeks with them that they've done both uh, pretty pretty efficiently, and so that's really what we're expecting is just to be able to stop the run and then get after it when they go to pass it. What type of atmosphere and reception do you expect in Fayetteville in SEC country? Uh, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be hostile, but I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun to go out there. Why do you feel like this team is ready for a hostile environment? You know, I think I think we've bonded really well as a team. Uh, you know, I think I think our team chemistry is is really good, and and I think uh, guys are guys are ready to take on that challenge. I'm glad you mentioned the word chemistry because I was speaking specifically about this with Keaton Slovis and Isaac Rex, and Isaac 
said, well, we did a bunch of karaoke together and that really helped our chemistry. <laughs> okay. So in that line, what is it that happened off the field that is creating good chemistry for the defense specifically? Yeah, absolutely. Guys, uh, guys are getting to know each other, right? You know, the better, the better, you know, the guys around you, the better you're going to be able to play with them. And so uh, I think most guys have done a really good job of, going out of the way to develop those relationships off the field um, so that we can play together better on the field. Right. Why does that make such a difference? Like what, what is it about that? Like having this off the field relationship so that it helps you when you are in competition. Right. A, a lot of, a lot of sports and a lot of you know, football in particular, right. comes down to trust. You know, you've got to be able to trust the guys around you to do their job and they've got to be able to trust you to do yours. Uh, if that's not there, things get out of whack. Um, you know, people start trying to do too much, and uh, and then it kind of falls apart, right, if, if that trust isn't there. And so those relationships off the field really help to develop that trust. That way when we get in, you know, hard situations, you know, where we're on our own five-yard line and we need to keep them out, guys are ready to do so. Uh, Tyler, we'll finish with this because I know you got to get off to a meeting, but – um, if you could envision the prime start for the BYU defense against uh, a cape more than capable Arkansas offense, what would that look like? Um, not, you know, not giving up any points, right? I, you know, that's, that's always the goal, um, is just, uh, going out there and just making sure that we keep, we keep their offense off the field as, as much as possible. So, um, that's, that's what I would say is as long as we can go out there and do our job and, and try to limit, you know, their uh, their production as much as possible that'd be definitely a successful start for us yeah it always sounds so simple but really it is it is that do your job yeah. right just yeah. do your job yep all right uh tyler you're a renaissance man a man of many talents we appreciate the time you spent with us here today some byu sports nation karma to you for the game uh in arkansas and uh, good luck against the razorbacks thanks spencer Tyler Batty, defensive lineman on BYU Sports Nation. Here's a look at some notable statistics as they pertain to the Cougars' defensive line through the first two games. Only giving up 61 rush yards per game. Again, I know it's Sam Houston and Southern Utah. That's still a very, very solid number. Ten tackles for loss, Jason. Do you think last year's defense would be giving up those numbers? Last year's defense same, would same. have given up more. That's what I'm saying. See Utah Tech. So, so, so what I'm, but what I'm, my point is, yes, it's against Sam Houston and Utah Tech, but we're seeing an improvement. Absolutely. Only the one sack. And I know people are like, oh, be, they need to sack the quarterback more. I, I, I don't put as much stock into that quarterback sack statistic as others. If you're creating chaos and he's under pressure and you're getting to the quarterback and, like, there are hurries and he's knocked down and there's more incompletions and they can't run the ball, like, a lot of those things matter to me more than just like that sack number. I would like to see it higher. Yes, for I would sure. like to see more sacks. But yes, I agree with what you're saying. But they're doing a lot of other good things in lieu of not creating as many quarterback sacks. All right, let's keep this thing rolling. All right, watch BYU football with Kalani Satake tonight as the head coach wraps up the win against SUU and looks ahead to the Arkansas game in Fayetteville. You can watch at 8.30 Eastern tonight on the BYU TV app. And if you'd like to show up and be part of the studio audience, tickets for the show can be found on BYUSN.com. Still on the way, another new postseason college basketball tournament has been proposed. How would it affect BYU? And do we really want another tournament? This is BYU Sports Nation.
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Yes, we're in front of the Go. big board once again for big things once again. Let's play Know the Foe Arkansas edition. i got to bring it today. Our producer Colton Potter will ask us random trivia questions that – Help us and all of you get to know a little bit more about the Razorbacks. Let's go. You're 0 for 2, Jerem. Yes, I am. Thanks for reminding me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go, man. Let's, let's do this fast and furious. Colton, what do you have for us at number one? Okay, first question. Jerem. Yes. This is for you. Arkansas is famous for its Woo Pick Suey chant. Yep. How many Woo, woo Pick Sueys are required for Ray. a properly ex executed hot call? Trace, he's going with Trace. That is correct. It is. Yeah. It is correct. You got one right. Yeah, baby. Is that the first one you've answered right? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. First of the you season. did it. Yay. <laughs> All right. Next question, Spencer. Okay. Which world championship event is held in Arkansas every year? Is it <laughs> oh, duck calling, toe wrestling, <laughs> worm charming, this is a thing? or cherry pit spitting? Uh, Colton, it's how a, many of these are real? It's hundred percent toe wrestling. Come on! Oh! <laughs> yes, I should have known this from like Duck Dynasty, right? Well, Louisiana, right? So yeah, but it's close. <laughs> um, uh, I thought maybe Duck Dynasty. Did they go to Arkansas for the duck calling? I don't know. I didn't watch it enough. Uh, yeah, all right. How many of those are real? All of them. All, all of those them are, are real, real things. I, I've seen toe wrestling on ESPN before, like as a joke. Yes. Wow. Straight okay. up. That's a real thing. Next. Worm charming. We don't have enough time on the show to Worm get into that. Worm charming. Okay. What is number, that? number three. Next question for Jerem. After BYU makes the 922-mile trek from yes. Provo to Fayetteville, mm -hmm. they will play a football game in 38 of the 50 states. Of the other 12 states, two feature Big 12 teams. Which two states are those? Uh, which two states featuring Big 12 teams has BYU never played in? BYU's played at Kansas State. Are you oh, saying? Man, are you saying Kansas? The state? These are the states. The state. Yes, these are the states. Okay. They've never played West Virginia. I don't think they played in Iowa before. Ooh. That, might, that might be it. Oh, the combo. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I know the answer. Ooh. Oh, I gotta hurry too. Uh, no, <laughs> He's stalling on purpose. They've never played West in West Virginia. They've never. Have, oh no, they they probably played uh, no, they played at Iowa State. Yeah, they played at Iowa State. Okay. Uh, I'm going. Um, I'm going. None of the above. <laughs> none of the above. Incorrect. Oh, it is West Virginia and Iowa. They it played West Iowa. Virginia in Maryland. They have not played in West Virginia or play, in Iowa. They, they have not played. Okay, last in question. Asia. Last question. What is the name of the Arkansas live mascot? They have six versions of the mascot. The live animal, 380-pound Russian boar. What is its name? Big Red, Sue E, oh Pork gosh. Chop, or Tusk? That's a – wow. Oh, man. It's definitely not Pork Chop. No. <laughs> I'm going to go with D Tusk. Correct. It oh, is Tusk. Nice. Correct, yes. correct. Dude, Sue E would be the best though. Did you mix <laughs> it up? No, Sue E is the the female yes. uh, oh, like mascot. Like mascot, like fake mascot. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Dress up mascot. That's brilliant. Tusk is the live mascot. Very good, very oh, good. Oh, great stuff, Colton. Fantastic. Did you win two one? 
No, it was 1-1. One, one. Tie there. Oh, tie. I'll take it. Yeah. That's bad. I'm not about winning. I'm about not losing. Right? Okay, our Elite Voice of the Day, presented by PAX Healthcare Limited. <laughs> How much do we really know about BYU? At Zalo Gunner on X says, you can take a weekly Keaton Slovis rushing TD to the bank, baby. Oh, that's true. Two weeks in a row. He's Let's go. He's got three total. That's I love it. <laughs> it's a thing now. Today's Rise is Shout Out, presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Tyler Batty on the uh, you know AFCA Good Works team. That dude does it on and off the field. Well done. He can fix your car, too, if you need him to. Okay? <laughs> he, can do like he probably, he probably he really could do that. Well. Our thanks to today's guests, Max Tooley, Aaron Livingston, and Kamile Hiapo. Sorry, Dennis. We ran out of time. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Whitney Young. If you missed BYU football with Kalani Sataki or AFR, check them out on demand and watch volleyball on Jerem ESPN tonight. Yay! We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to Studio B in Provo in Fayetteville, Arkansas, ahead of BYU and Arkansas coming up on Saturday. Let's get to today's headlines. BYU football roughly 55 hours away from kicking off against Arkansas at Frank Broyles Field in Razorback Stadium. Now, if you missed it yesterday, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick implemented a change in the BYU backfield this week. LJ is going to start this game and Aiden's going to play too, and so is Dion, but LJ's going to start this game. What went into that decision to go with LJ and give him a start? Uh, he's breaking tackles. Coverage for the Cougars and Razorbacks begins with BYU Sports Nation game day live on BYU TV and Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Number 12, women's volleyball takes down Utah for sets last night, hitting 345 in front of a record-breaking Smithfield House crowd in women's volleyball of 5,528. BYU was paced by 16 kills from Aaron Livingston and 14 kills from freshman Claire Little. Bauer to Little. Claire Little has taken over the match. Indeed she did. Cougars play at Utah Valley Friday at Utah State Saturday. Number one ranked BYU women's soccer hosts TCU tonight in the Big 12 opener. First ever Big 12 contest for any sport at BYU. Keep in mind the Cougars were picked to finish first in the Big 12 by a single point over TCU in the preseason poll. You can watch the game on ESPNU tonight at 9 Eastern. Big 12 Defender of the Week Olivia Smith-Griffiths and her teammate Kendall Peterson join Jerem in a few minutes to preview tonight's matchup. And tonight on Thursday Night Football, hey, it's back. Jaron Hall, Kyrus Togan, the Vikings play the Philadelphia Eagles. Those are today's headlines. Let's whip it. Google Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. BYU is 10-6, Jerem, against Power 5 opponents since the beginning of the 2019 football season. Are we ready to move past the long-time 40% Power 5 victory rate for BYU, given the recent success for the Cougars in the last four years? I mean, 62.5% yeah. win rate over the last four seasons. What do you think? That's pretty awesome. We have not seen BYU play 10 P5s in a row like this, or nine every year at least in league and consecutively after those three games. So not quite yet. I do love that BYU has increased that number by 20-plus percent. That's awesome. But I do need to see BYU for three to five years in the league and see what that looks like and what how BYU recruits to match that. They've certainly gotten better in the talent department this year, we think, but they've got to show it on the field. 
Yeah, right now I'm leaning more toward four power five wins, which will get BYU to six. But there's, I mean, there's a good chance that some of the teams on BYU's schedule are not as good as we thought they were gonna be. We're starting to see that. I already referenced that earlier. There's five wins out of the 10 power five opponents on BYU's schedule, I believe. The Cougars just need to be a little bit opportunistic, take advantage of some home field advantage in conference. And yeah, I think BYU can string together five wins. So I'm settling on the 45 to 50%. I think BYU could win half of their power five games. I think that would be totally fair this season. Yeah, I'd, I'd take five for seven wins in the regular season. I'd take that right now. Uh, Jets players have gone out of their way this week to voice their support for Zach Wilson as the new starting quarterback, given the Aaron Rodgers Achilles injury out for the year. What do you make of all the public support from Jets players and coaches for Zach? I think this is Aaron Rodgers leading out. I think his example in the locker room of embracing Zach, pulling him into his hip pocket to learn from him and to grow with him in the film room and through training camp. I think this is just showing you what Aaron Rodgers did for the locker room and how they view Zach Wilson. This is what Aaron would want. This is what the Jets players are doing. And this is also an indication of what Robert Sala has said. He, he's told his players, Zach is our guy for the rest of the season. And the players have publicly bought into that. This, they believe that Zach is the guy better than any other veteran or free agent out there right now that will help the Jets win the most games. We'll see if that comes to fruition, but I think this is, this is an, an indicative thing from Robert Sala and Aaron Rodgers saying, everybody get behind Zach, we need you to do this. Well, one out of desperation, they need him to be good unless they trade for a backup from another team and invest that. But they've put some capital into Zach, one keeping him in two. They've seen the growth he's made in the offseason and uh, in the preseason. He had a really nice preseason. And now they're going to they're gonna back him. They should back their guy. And uh, hopefully Zach can break through a piece that's been hard for him in terms of taking care of the ball, making good decisions. We've seen it at times, but consistently. Because if he does, this Jets team can do a lot. Like, this team can be in the playoffs and do something interesting if Zach can play well and they've got a good run game. It, it, it's basically, can Zach deliver for the, this Jets team? And obviously, we are all rooting for that for Zach. Can the number two pick in the 2021 draft get the Jets to 10 wins in a playoff spot? We will watch with, uh, I mean, with fascination as this develops. Now, he was the number two pick, the number one ranked team in the country, BYU Women's Soccer, hosts TCU tonight, Jerem. Will this be the toughest game remaining on the women's soccer schedule this season? No, TCU is very good, but Texas ranked 16th, 6-1-1. Texas Tech is 6-0-2, unbeaten at this point. Houston, 6-1-1. There are lots of big games. I don't think this is the toughest game left on the schedule. But when you're number one, Spence, everybody's gunning for you. But this BYU team is uniquely prepared yeah. for this moment because they just didn't show up at number one this year. They went to the national championship game. They were a Sweet 16 team. They're perennially in the top 20. They have added impact transfers and freshmen. The bench players would start on most teams around the country. No, this is the most talented BYU women's soccer team, in my opinion, ever. And they are prepared for this moment, for this season, to be number one for TCU, to make a run, to win a national championship. I've never been more excited than for this women's soccer team specifically. I think they're ready for this moment. TCU happens to be the next opponent and the first of many Big 12 games. 
It's not too far-fetched to think that this BYU team could run the table, Jerem. I'm not saying I go. I agree. Unbeaten, meaning a tire two you, or three. Where you, where you win every game. Yeah. Yeah, there may be a few ties in there. Sure. I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that they do not lose a game this season. The road contest at Texas, to me, is the toughest remaining game on the schedule. And if they can get through TCU tonight and get through that Texas stretch without being beaten, watch out. They'll be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, and they will host to hopefully what is their second college cup. That would be awesome. All right, check out the Cougar Tailgate podcast with Cleon Wall and Lauren McLean and their latest episode with Johnny Linehan as they discuss what fans would do for a win over Arkansas. You can download and listen on the BYU Radio app. Women's soccer stars Olivia Smith-Griffiths and Kendall Peterson are in the house to preview BYU's first ever Big 12 conference game in any sport. I just said some flattering things. We'll talk about it in a moment. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It's a ball night eve, if you will. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Jerem Jordan, Provo, Spencer Linton in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Let's get to today's headlines. Beginning with BYU football in Fayetteville, Arkansas, currently for week three of the college football season to take on the Razorbacks of Arkansas. Get your pregame fixed by watching BYU Sports Station game day at 5.30 Eastern, live on BYU TV, or Cougar pregame live at 5.30 as well on BYU Radio. Oklahoma State announces that uh, the game is sold out, by the way, against BYU, so that's good too. In the regular season finale, Cougars in the NFL, Zach Wilson and the Jets travel to Dallas, take on the Cowboys, took to the Giants last week, 40 to nothing. Fred Warren and the Niners take on Puka Nakua and the Rams. Puka did not practice. Thursday due to an oblique injury, first reported by Adam Schefter, has not been ruled out of Sunday's game. Tyler Algier and the Falcons, Jose Anderson and the Packers, Michael Davis and the Chargers play at the Titans, Dax Milne and the Commanders against the Broncos, Chris Brooks and the Dolphins play the Patriots, Blake Freeland and the Colts travel to the Texans, Jaron Hall was not on the active roster last night for the Vikings, by the way. Jaron, from the Nakua camp, I heard it is very much day-to-day, but knowing Puka, he will absolutely try and play. Now we move to number one BYU women's soccer, who had to rally against TCU, trailing two to nothing. They finished with a 3-3 draw. Aaron Bailey tied the game at three in the 77th minute. Smith Griffiths. Chance in the box! Up next, a trip to Logan. BYU takes on Utah State tomorrow. EB7 did not run into the rock this time or have a water bottle thrown at her head. That's good. Number 12, <laughs> women's volleyball will look to go 3-0 against in-state schools this week. After beating Utah in four on Wednesday, they play at Utah Valley tonight at Utah State tomorrow. On to golf, Zach Blair tied for third place at six under par after the first round of the Fortinet Championship in Napa, California. Blair birdied five straight holes during the round. I interviewed him for golf day 
at Riverside Country Club on Monday, and I gave him some karma, so nice. just maybe it's working out for Zach. Is Fortnite just Fortnite misspelled? And BYU Swim and Dive will be holding its blue and white meat this afternoon. Awesome. Those are today's headlines. Let's whip it. Good Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Was last night's tie for BYU against TCU on their home field, first ever Big 12 contest, 3-3, dramatic. Was that disappointing in any way, Jerem? Yeah, because it's disappointing to go down 2-0 on your home field, but BYU tied it back up. They went down, they tied it back up. To not win in front of that crowd, ESPNU, national TV, you're number one. If BYU was ranked 22nd, we'd be like, a tie is fine. BYU is ranked number one. You expect to win at home, not tie. Obviously, it's not a loss. BYU is still unbeaten. But there is a certain tinge of disappointment, certainly. Yes. All you needed to do was read the body language of Jen Rockwood, her staff, and the players after the game yep. to see if that result was disappointing. And, yeah, they wanted to win that match. This is not like... Hooray, a tie. TCU knew what getting out of there with the draw would mean. That's why they're stalling with seven they minutes stalled. left in the corner, tied yes. at three. Yes. This is disappointing for BYU. Rich Eisen had Randy Moss on the show yesterday, asked Moss about a Super Bowl pick. He said originally he had the Eagles and Jets, then doubled down saying he still thinks that Zach Wilson and the Jets will get it done. Moss said it's not going to look like Aaron Rodgers, but he can still go in and lead the team and put them in position like he did the other night. What do you think of that? I like Randy Moss's ambition, and I can appreciate a guy who sticks to his picks, sticks to his guns in that regard. But I think, Jerem, this is green. This is green goggled by Randy Moss for sure. Like this, getting to the playoffs would be a huge accomplishment for the Jets. That's the win. Like, just get to the playoffs. Forget the Super Bowl. Just get to the postseason. Yeah, I don't see the Jets going to the Super Bowl. Like, you just need a certain quarterback play at a certain level. And hopefully Zach gets to that. I'm not sure that's this year right now. But, uh, yeah, just make the playoffs and then see what happens. Jerem, BYU fan Thomas Rohrer tweeted that eight years ago today, BYU Sports Nation was on in the delivery room for his family. Yep. Is our show good delivery room content? Well, if you disagree with us to the point where it aids um, the mother uh, in, in, ah, you know, pushing out a bit, maybe, I don't know. It, it seems like it'd be terrible content. But uh, no, we appreciate the roars. It's fun because Thomas is coming up to me and said, hey, this is my daughter. She is the baby from that day. Um, saw her on July 1st. So awesome. shout out to the roars. Uh, that was a cool experience, especially when we were a young show just two years in and people were watching it in the <laughs> delivery room. Like, what? That's, uh, that's amazing. Okay, coming up, the Big 12 Roundup and our prop picks. I, I got to get back in this thing. Let's go. We got a busy week. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Our question of the day, what's your favorite win over an SEC team in BYU football history as we bring Spencer Linton back in from Fayetteville? Caleb McKay on Instagram. At Ole Miss, I was 10, drove over from New Orleans. We were front row. I had given up at the end. I was crying because BYU was going to lose the first game I'd ever been to in person. But then Kyle Vannoy gets the strip sack TD and we lost our minds. I'll never forget it. That was obviously a huge moment, especially in the first game of Independence to 
go to an SEC team and win that game. Yeah. It was uh, it was awesome, man. Real sports fan on X has to be Tennessee. Usually for a last minute drive to work, you need positive plays. First player two, Bushman saved a pick. Zach was sacked, took a bomb to uh, Micah Simon just to get miraculously into OT, winning the game on the ground and legs of Tyson Williams was crazy. Indeed it was crazy, Spencer. Our elite voice of the day, presented by PAX Healthcare <laughs> Elevated. Chris Holly Taylor on Facebook. My favorite win over an SEC team will occur this Saturday, September 16th, as BYU beats Arkansas. Ooh, that is an elite voice of the day. Okay, calling his shot. He's calling his shot, baby. Let's go. I like it. Today's Rise and Shout Out is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's go with BYU Track and Field hosting the 11th annual Courageous Kids Invitational yeah. yesterday. How cool is this? The Courageous Kids Invitational aims to provide children with medical conditions and their families an opportunity to mingle with Cosmo and BYU athletes and then join them in a variety of kid-friendly track and field events. I love the images that came from this event. Truly worth a rise and shout out. Yep. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.